It's finally here, Murder fans. It's the moment you've been waiting for. Over the past two episodes, we've been telling you all about the life and times of Charles Manson, from his troubled childhood to his early days as a wild-ass pimp, turned failed rock star, turned cult leader. And today you're going to hear about all the murders that made him famous and the strange investigation and trial that followed. Don't feel bad that you're excited to hear about murders because you are amongst friends. And we're equally excited to tell you all about them. Grab a drink and settle in for this episode of 100 Proof History, titled Charles Manson Part 3, Helter Skelter. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Oh, hello, listener. We're finally at the end of our three-part journey. This journey into one Charles Manson. We're, we're here. I know you have waited patiently. It's time for some fucking payoff. We're going to get some sick murders. Get into the mind of a crazy man. We're going to all put swastikas on our foreheads. Let's go. Chris, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm very excited. We're finishing this thing up. Actually getting to, like you said, getting to the payoff, man. It's it's time to go. It's time to talk about horrible, horrible things. Oh, I see you already have your swastika carved in your forehead. Nice. Talked about this before, man. It started off as an X, and then I was like, what if we added a line here and here? And, and uh-huh. then I didn't, I, next thing I know, I don't know, it's a swastika. I, I didn't do it intentionally, okay? It wasn't a... It wasn't a thing. I was, I was just doing. adding lines to lines. Yeah. Next thing you know, I was going to be like, this is going to be a very cool maze that I'm making on my forehead. It's going to be like a Chili's menu where you have to get the chicken crispers at the middle. And I was going to carve all of that. And the fucking jail guard took away my box cutter. So now it's just a swastika. I'm sorry. Speaking of jail guard, mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, feeling great. Thanks for, thanks for asking. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I got a, a conjugal visit from the wife. Oh, nice, man. Wait, 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 wait. You said conjugal visit. What? You're conjugal visit? Are you in prison right now? Well, I'm in the prison of my marriage, <laughs> and I got my uh, biannual conjugal visit. So, I'm feeling loosey-goosey, feeling good, mm. ready to do some podcasting. Mm. She just sat down, started flipping through that, uh, that issue of Cosmos, like, all right, Let's get the shit over with. Let's, mm-hmm. let's figure, yeah. I closed my eyes as hard as I could and mm-hmm. thought about hot men and <laughs> I feel so much more relaxed now. Part of the thrill is she didn't even know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, she she was looking at a playgirl mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, well, check out what's on the back cover. And she turned it around. <laughs> I saw it was on the inside. Oh, God, yes, okay. Let's get into this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, we're talking about Charles Manson, and once again, our source is Manson, The Life and Times of Charles Manson by Jeff. Again, it needs no introduction. If you made it this far, you already know it's an excellent book. You need to pick it up and read it when you get a chance. We covered a lot in this three-part series, but we did not, definitely, definitely didn't cover everything 
in this story. Hitting the highlights, man. That's all you can do in a three-part podcast. Counterpoint. Yes. Yes, we did hit all of it. (laughs) Don't go anywhere else for your info. Only come here. Right. Right. Reading, you know, let us do the reading for you and tell you what it's about. Babe, you don't need your other friends. You get all the friendship you need from me. Let's just stay inside the apartment. (laughs) I'll I'll get all the food and and water and (laughs) clothes, anything we need. I'll get it. But you don't need to go anywhere because you have me. You have me. You know what's really sexy? Being chained to a radiator for six days. Why don't we give that a shot? (laughs) Well, Greg, I feel like we have a lot to cover. In this episode, are you just ready? Let's just dive right in. We don't need to do this whole setup thing that other podcasts do. They do 12 minutes of, check me out at the Laugh Factory this week, blah, 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 blah. First of all, no one will hire me. Second of all, I don't like doing that to my listener. Come see me Friday, Friday, Friday at the Taco Bell drive-thru. <laughs> don't come see me. <laughs> please. Don't, please don't look at Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All right. no, that, that sounds great. Let's start it. When we left you last week, Charlie Manson's friend Bobby Beausoleil and a few of his friends had murdered meth dealer slash music teacher Gary Hinman over a drug deal gone wrong. After killing Hinman, they used his blood to write political piggies on the wall next to a paw print symbol they hoped would link the crime to the Black Panthers. Obviously, that plan worked. And no one ever found out that Bobby Beausoleil committed the crime. Greg, can I get an end of story? We'll just wrap it up after one point. Let's just call it a record. Man, can't believe he got away with it. <laughs> he got away with it. How did we find out? I don't know. We were there. I No, no, no. It wasn't me. Fuck you. We told you before that Charlie was an idiot criminal who was often caught with relative ease. Now take that idiot and think about the type of people who would believe he was a genius and would follow him. And that's how dumb Bobby Beausoleil was. Not only did he leave his fingerprints at the scene, he also stole Gary Hinman's car and drove it to San Francisco with the bloody knife tucked away in the car's tire well. What a complete fucking moron. Not only does he... He steals the victim's car. He stashes... He... They're in L.A., so it's, you know, a few-hour drive up to San Francisco, I'm assuming. I've never been to California. I'm assuming it takes a long long time to get to Northern California from Southern California. At any point, he could have ditched the murder weapon, but instead he just stashes it in the tire well and goes to San Francisco thinking everything's going to be cool. No one's ever going to fucking catch him, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you go out on the playground and the the stupid kid has a bunch of kids gathered around him and he's preaching, and you're like, this is not going to be good. And then somehow you're the one that ends up getting the fucking wedgie and the noogies and you're telling the teacher and she's like, man up, you little bitch. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm sorry, Mrs. Varner. The kid preaching reminds me of Jim Jones. It does remind Yeah. The stupid kid leading the other stupid kids. Is that available to the normies? No, they have to pay for that. Yeah. I feel like this is the second week in a row where we've done this. Yeah. I'm, this was not an advertisement, but it's on our Patreon. So well, that's a three-parter. Yeah, as uh, well. Two-parter. 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 Okay. two-parter yeah, okay. uh, but very good and very informative, and also a Jeff Ginn book. Tying it all in, man. Full mm. circle. There you go. No way. This was intentional, <laughs> but it, but it actually really was. 
That's why when you, you pull up to that Taco Bell drive-thru Greg was talking about it earlier and his pants are down and he's just screaming about listen to my Jim Jones series. You know, he's kind of tight. Yeah, it's the same thing, you know, just we need the money. Please help us. Please. <laughs> well, Bobby's car that he had stolen broke down. The police did their job. They stopped to help guys. They're there to help you. And they instantly realized that this was the car taken from the scene of a murder a few days ago. Bobby was instantly arrested for murder. Yeah, and at first, Bobby said he had uh, he'd bought the car from a black guy. And when the cops said they had his fingerprints at the scene, Bobby said he had found Gary stabbed and helped him. And he was so overcome with joy, he had given Bobby the car. <laughs> and then he dies later. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> he still died. But yeah. he was, oh, oh, man, thanks for helping me out. I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. Take the car. <laughs> Because, actually, I'm not good now. I won't be needing it. Yeah. Appreciate it, though. That always looks good on you. He's like, oh, black guy did it. And he gave me the car. He's like, well, your prints are this. Okay, I, I was there, but I was there to help, guys. I was there to help after the black guy <laughs> stabbed him. I'm a hero, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> on August 8th, 1969, Bobby called up Spawn Ranch and said, you guys, you guys got to help me, man. Which Charlie took as a veiled threat that Bobby was going to start talking. Like, you got to help me. I'm going to throw your asses under that fucking school bus you drive around to pick up underage chicks. After all, Bobby could implicate Charlie in dozens of car and dune buggy thefts, the shooting of a drug dealer named Lotsa Papa, and the murder of Gary Hinman. And those are an inverse order of importance. <laughs> right? Yeah. Stole some cars and dune buggies. Shot a drug dealer, murdered a man. Yeah, you know that's fine. No, normally you start off on the strong point. <laughs> that one, that one just escalates there. I like to build to a climax, Greg, mm -hmm. and then disappoint everyone. Like, oh, that's it. Okay, that's all that happened. I just start with the climax. <laughs> I'm done. Sandwich time, baby. Race one. I won. Yay, me. <laughs> Charlie gathered his followers and asked for ideas. Someone suggested a copycat murder to throw the cops off. Charlie told everyone, now's the time for Helter Skelter. And then he put on the Beatles album, and it was playing Here Comes the Sun. He's like, fuck, fuck! And he like tossed it out. The no, that's not the right song. I'm sorry. Let's get, let's get pumped. <laughs> he told Mary Brunner and Sandy Good to take some stolen credit cards and go buy supplies from Sears. They did that, and they were both arrested for possessing stolen credit cards. Now Charlie was even more worried that the police were going to be coming for him. Charlie pulled his second-in-command and very dumb human Tex Watson aside, and he asked him if he remembered how to get to Terry Melcher's old house on Cielo Drive. Charlie knew that Melcher didn't live there anymore. Remember, he showed up there randomly in our last episode, and Sharon Tate and all of her people were staying there. Um, but he also knew it was a wealthy area, and whoever lived there had to be important and possibly famous. Now, if he could convince the world that the people who lived there were killed by black guys, then the police would connect it to Gary Hinman's murder, Bobby would be set free, and the Helter Skelter race war would be on like Donkey Kong. And that's kind of the important thing to remember here, guys, because... 
uh, even the prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi, who did a very good book on JFK, we referenced that during our uh, JFK series. Uh, he was going to be the guy that prosecutes Manson going forward. Guess what? Spoiler alert, he gets prosecuted. Um, they tried to pin this all in that he wanted to start a race war, but really what Charlie was doing to begin with was trying to cover up for that first murder that he orchestrated by making it try. He's like, oh, they didn't believe it was the black guys then. I'll kill some more people and try and pin on black guys, and then we can relate those, and my guy gets free, nobody testifies against Charlie, everything's kosher, right? Oh, what? I thought you were making a point. I didn't know it needed me to be like, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, okay, thank you. Those are the things that happened. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it, sir. Should I go back to my room? <laughs> yes. Yes, be gone. <laughs> ah, I love podcasting. <laughs> well, Charlie picked three girls to go with Tex. There was Susan Atkins, who had been with Bobby Beausoleil at the Hemmings scene and knew what kind of crazy shit to write in the victim's blood. There was Big Patty Krenwinkle, who was super shy, which made everyone think she was cold and unfeeling, and therefore would make a great homicidal maniac. She's just all shy because she got these fucking wolfman arms. She's like, oh, please, no one notice me. <laughs> I'm so hairy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was relative newcomer Linda Kasabian, who was picked solely because she was the only person with a valid driver's license, which I love. That's one of my favorite things because, like, they're going to murder people, and Charlie's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Are you less than drive Tex? Can you actually fucking drive this car? You ever take tests?" Like, no, man. I was in Texas. I drove truck, but then I got really fucking high and I forgot how to do that shit. And then you know, I moved out here and started a wig shop. And then I started hanging out with you, man. I don't know fucking know. He's like, listen, listen, traffic safety is very important to me. And somebody's like, oh, yeah, so we don't get pulled over or stopped on the way to do these things. They say, fuck no, you bitches better be wearing your seatbelts. Seatbelts save lives, you fucking morons. <laughs> well, the whole, like, funny thing about that is uh, even though Linda was picked to go because of her valid driver's license, Tex... He was actually the one that drove everyone over to the Tate residence. So, <laughs> Move over, honey. Or not. Move over, honey. A man's in the car. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> at about 11.45 that night at the Tate residence's guest house, William Gerritsen heard a knock. At the door was an 18-year-old guy named Steve Parent. Gerritsen had given Parent a ride earlier that week, and Parent, who was a broke-ass college student, had showed up to try and sell Garrison an old radio. Well, William Garrison listened to the pitch, and then he's like, eh, yeah, I don't really need a radio, man. I'm, I'm kind of hanging out Sharon Tate's uh, bachelor pad here. Kinda. Look, dude, I mean, you were a good Uber driver, but uh, <laughs> I don't want the Casio. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate it. But get out before I call the police. <laughs> uh, this does... Sort of remind me, we had an off-air conversation uh, last week. I don't know if you remember it, because you were drinking heavily. I was already drunk and trying to come down. But about how 
if I get an Uber ca- Uber car with a driver and it turns out he's from a foreign country, I'm going to talk about the one thing I know about his foreign country. Mm-hmm. So it might be I like, do remember? It might be like, hey, I'm I'm from Syria. I'm like, oh man, let me tell you what I know about the the Sykes Picot Agreement when. Britain and France decided to divide up the Middle East. He's like, yeah, but we're involved in civil wars. Like, shh, shh, sacks to go. <laughs> yes, yes, but T.E. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Ever heard the name? I know history. Fuck you. <laughs> Before leaving the Spawn Ranch, which I learned last week is Swedish for spoon ranch. Mm. Thank you, Greg. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Everyone got high, especially Tex and Susan, who smoked some meth to go along with the typical weed and LSD that everybody else was taking part in. You know, just kind of, you got to balance it out, man. The weed chills you out, the meth makes you want to take apart the TV and see the demons inside, you know? You got (laughs) to... Linda and Patty, they both grabbed knives. Tex had a knife. And he also had the Buntline 22 LR revolver that Charlie had used to shoot the drug dealer, Lots of Papa. They all hopped in the car and drove over to the Tate residence. Susan was the only one who left the ranch unarmed. Tex climbed a telephone pole and cut the phone lines. They all began walking up the long and winding road toward the house. Get it, Greg? Long and winding road? That's a Beatles song. Just uh, nailed that reference. Genius. Thank you. Thank you. But to be clear, it was a driveway. Oh, yes, fine. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, I just want to put some actual historical <laughs> context in here instead of just funny man jokes. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a very funny joke, a very funny reference I made. Well, at that very same moment, Steve Parent was approaching the gate in his car. When he rolled down the window to push the gate button, text approached him. Parent begged for his life and said he wouldn't tell anyone. Tex then slashed Steve's arm with a knife and then shot Steve four times at point-blank range. You're not even my real parent. That's what Tex said (laughs) to Steve. His parent. Parent. Anyway. (laughs) Well, Greg wants to joke, but then Steve Parent slumped over dead in his car, the victim of a horrible murder. You just want to sell a clock radio, you fucking asshole. And you're like, oh, you're not my real dad. You feel good about that? You feel good? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good. I did too. I thought it was funny. I did. Okay, good. (laughs) Tex and the girls then continued toward the house. I'm resetting the gravitar there, bringing it back. Inside the home that night was a very, very sexually pregnant Sharon Tate. Her ex, uh, quote, unquote, boyfriend, Jay Sebring, inventor of the Chrysler Sebring, Greg. That's not true. That's not true, I'm sorry. Their friend, Wojtek Frakowski, and... Uh, Inventor of the Fry... Yes, not also not true. Also not true. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Abigail Folger, inventor of coffee? Oh no, but she was heiress to the Folger's coffee fortune, Greg. Uh, I'm basically right on that uh, one. Yeah, pretty Close much. Close enough. Yeah. 
Once they were up at the house, Tex cut open a window screen and sent Linda to the end of the driveway to act as a lookout. Tex being the inventor of Texas. Just, yes. Okay, I'm done, I'm done now. <laughs> no, we need something. We need something to just keep it light. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Tex, Patty, inventor of the patty uh, melt. Inventor of the patty melt. Oh, God damn, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and Susan, inventor of the lazy Susan, they all slipped inside the residence. It was too easy. Low-hanging fruit. Oh, well, the lazy Susan is actually invented by Thomas Jefferson, who named it after a slave. It's kind of like, it's mm, upsetting. So I'd rather give credit to this murderous bitch. Can I say that on the internet? Yes. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Just make sure, just make sure. Once inside, they found Wojtek Frokowski lying on the couch. Um, and as you will remember, he is the inventor of the fry. Mm-hmm. Also the inventor of tech. <laughs> tech. <laughs> this joke has gone on too long. He's also Please a giant, giant bear that loads artillery shells for Hell the Polish yeah. army. I still need to get that tattoo. <laughs> uh, listener, we're just trying to make stupid jokes because this is about to get really fucking terrible. It's just awful. I think we need that disclaimer right now as we're joking about all these people invented... What they, what they came up with it because it, it's about to get terrible. But like most of history, you just think about it in black and white. Mm-hmm. Like black and white television. Yes. And it doesn't seem so bad. It seems, I don't know, <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> kind of like the, the honeymooners where he's always threatened to abuse his wife physically. You're like, oh, that Ralph. Bang, zoom to the moon. You're like, <laughs> he's going to beat the shit out of her. <laughs> it's hilarious. Kind of. Okay, cool, cool. If you see that old, like, World War One footage where it's all sped up because the frame frame rate doesn't really equal yeah. what we're used to, and so it just looks real fast moving. Yeah, imagine all these murders in that. <laughs> it works. Kind of funny. Yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> I like to pretend they're all Muppets, and like they stab them, and just some like some stuffing comes out. It makes me feel better about everything when that happens. You know, you bottom halves. You know, it's all funny. Like, the guys are doing the grill voices. You know. Because there aren't any women allowed in this fantasy. It's like all my fantasies. <laughs> Just get the fuck out of there. I like to pretend they're all Muppets. But, uh-huh. but of course, they don't have bottom halves because it's the, you know, the puppet masters. Yeah. You know, controlling them. And so all the stabbing is done, but you just see all these bloody hands come out, and they're like, what the fuck? I won't work under these conditions. <laughs> you know, a bunch of people marching off set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jim Henson's waiting at, like, the end of a, a tunnel. Mm-hmm. He's got a baton in his hand that he's just... <laughs> slapping, and he's like, hmm, today is the day I retire you. And then the back end of the tunnel, it shuts down. Front end shuts down. They're all incinerated. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) I was just going to say Jim Hansen is pantsless like all of his Muppets. He's just fully erect while this is happening. Well, that too. Okay, cool, cool. That's what the baton was. (laughs) It's got that extra wire. There's a guy hanging under it. Operating it like a Muppet arm, just slapping it into his hand. <laughs> he doesn't like to use his bottom half. Yeah. That way he keeps his hands free. It maintains the illusion. 
He's got one person per leg that just lifts it and steps for him. <laughs> History podcast. History podcast. Well, getting back to murders. When Tex found Wojtek Frakowski asleep on the couch, he kicked him in the head. Frakowski asked who he was, and Tex said, He was the devil, and he was there to do the devil's work. And he pulled out his golden fiddle, and he says... Let's duel, boy. And he played a really shitty fiddle. And the other guy's just fucking rocking it, man. Just fucking rocking it with the devil's in the house of the rising sun. I'm just saying, the devil kind of mailed in that, that fiddle competition. Well, I mean, Charlie Daniels also wrote the <laughs> devil's part. Yeah. yeah but it, the real devil would have destroyed Charlie. <laughs> he already is, because Charlie Daniels is burning in hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're just, the one listener we had that that has, is a big fan of Charlie Daniels was like, nope, I'm out. That's it. I've done with these fucking guys. Unsubscribe. Last straw. Cancel on the Patreon. It's over. <laughs> Honeymoon is fucking over. <laughs> Going back down to Georgia. Well, at this point, Susan remembered she didn't have a weapon, and so she jumped out the window and sprinted down the driveway to get a knife from Linda. They're in a house. There's a knife. Lying around somewhere in the kitchen or something, and this dumb bitch jumps out the window. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, quick, 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 tag me in, tag me in, bro. Dude, she's all hopped up on LSD. Yeah, and Susan was actually high on meth, too. Yeah, you're right. I guess that adds to it. Also, like we've discussed before, anybody who followed Charlie is kind of a fucking moron to begin with. And so, like, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna sprint past, like, this butcher's block. There's probably, like, all these knives hanging from the cutlery set right in front of me. <laughs> Victor Frakowski's like, I have a pocket knife. Does anybody need this? She's like, shut up! Shut up! And she like runs out the fucking T-1000 down the driveway. And, give me a knife! Give me, give me, give me, give me! She's hitting like the farmware set off the fucking <laughs> yeah. kitchen island. Get out of the way! Sliding over it like the Dukes of Hazard, so she can get out <laughs> to the driveway quicker. She's actively just hitting sets of knives <laughs> off. Like, oh, I gotta slide faster. She's actively cutting up a steak. She's like, "Oh fuck, I need a knife!" Runs <laughs> <laughs> out the fucking door. What's a steak knife? I need a murder knife. <laughs> Susan and Patty rounded up Abigail Folger, Sharon Tate, and Jay Sebring and forced them into the living room at knife point. They were then tied up. As a rope was tied around Sharon Tate's neck, Jay Sebring said, Can't you see she's pregnant? Tex then shot Sebring in the stomach and then stabbed him repeatedly until Jay was dead. Where's your jokes now, Mr. Funny Man? What you got for me here? Okay, well, I mean, if you're challenging me. <laughs> Can't you see she's pregnant? So then Tex shot Sebring in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And he, could, he should have stood over him and been like, huh, well, you're sure not. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm just saying. Not everything <laughs> passes the filter, Chris. Now you're pregnant with my gun, baby. You stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're Jesus. horrible people. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Yeah, these are people's kids, dude. I don't know. They'd be dead by now anyway. Who cares? No, they wouldn't. Yeah, maybe. They're 
1969. Spoiler alert, Charlie Manson just died a couple years ago. Four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, yeah. By lethal injection, maybe or maybe not. Stay tuned. Yep, 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 yep. But it was at this point that Wojtek Frakowski attempted to fight back. And he was actually able to push away from dumb bitch Susan, who was like, oh shit, this knife isn't good enough, let me run to the fucking Bed Bath & Beyond real quick and get something better. But as he was fighting away, Tech shot Wojtek. But even then, Wojtek was able to stumble out into the front lot. Unfortunately for him, Tex caught up to him, tackled him, and stabbed him to death. <laughs> He's like, no, I was just kidding about having my gun, baby. I won't allow it. <laughs> so I stabbed him. No. No, I, I'm not in the position of my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All due respect to the victims of these heinous crimes. Yes, of course. Of course. Well, Abigail Folger was also able to break away and run. But big ol' arm hair Patty caught up to her and began stabbing her as well. This part of waking up is when I fucked you up. That's what Patty whispered into her ears. (laughs) 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 Well, as she was whispering that in poor, sweet, innocent Abigail Folger's ears, Tex came over and helped her finish the job. And after stabbing Folger, Tex told Patty to go to the guest house and kill anyone there. And of course, she pretended to go and check, which actually spared the life of William Gerritsen. The dude that, you know, was getting the, the radio sold to him, the Uber driver. If right, you will. right. He's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, this is probably the worst thing that's going to happen to me tonight. Guy just come showing up and trying to sell me a radio at 11.45. one ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he accidentally signed up for Uber. He misheard his friend. He yeah. was trying to sign up for Grinder, <laughs> But he wanted to, well, fuck, I guess I'll follow through with this and just gave him a ride. And then, of course, it's like, I've made the biggest mistake of my life because this dude's coming back, like, up to the fucking house. Yeah. Trying to sell me a goddamn old radio. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a little fucking dick. God. <laughs> and then now there's murderers. Worst fucking mistake ever. Show them all the features. Like, look, it has an alarm on it. You can set it in the morning. I thought you were over here to suck my dick. And vice versa. Is that not what's happening? No, man. It's about a radio. <sighs> this is the worst goddamn day of my life. You know that, right? <laughs> and the last to die was Sharon Tate. Susan held her down while Tex stabbed her. Sharon sobbed for her mother as she died. Susan then dipped a towel in Sharon's blood and wrote pig on the outside front door. Hey, Greg. Hmm. What's a pig's favorite karate move? Mm, I don't know. It's a pork chop. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just perfect, trying to... Perfect timing for a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, a pregnant woman just got stabbed to death while she begged for her mother. I just want to lighten the mood, bring everybody back up. You know, everybody's like, oh, I feel terrible now. I've been laughing this whole time. Well, we're now back even keel. <laughs> yeah, everything's great. <laughs> Matter of fact, we're actually happy now. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's the same joke I told at her funeral. It did not go over very well there. I'm sure it didn't land just now either with you guys. It's fine. (laughs) 
someday, someday somebody's going to be like, man, that, that was really good. Brought me, brought my spirits up. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> well, Tex, Susan, Patty, and Linda all fled, but they also stopped in some dude's front yard to rinse themselves off. When that guy came outside, they tried to say they were just there to get a drink, but they were fucking covered in human blood. So he didn't quite believe that story. Oh, I'd be thirsty too after I murdered a bunch of people. Okay, I understand. Makes sense. <laughs> Give me the hose. <laughs> yeah. As they sped away, that guy wrote down their license plate number. Somewhere along the way, they also ditched the Buntline revolver. When they got back, they found Charlie waiting at the Spawn Ranch. They told him what had happened, and Charlie got back in the car, drove back to the house, and began wiping it down to eliminate any fingerprints. He put a towel over J.C. Bring's head and draped an American flag on the couch next to Sharon Tate's body. Now, he was just 100% satisfied that this would help bring about Helter Skelter, so he left and went back home to go to bed. Like, hey, you know this guy's got a towel on his head? She's got a flag next to her, obviously. They're going to think this is a racial thing. Right? Right, guys? Of course. Who wouldn't? You see that? It's like, huh. Oh, yeah. Definitely uh, Black Panthers did this, <laughs> or, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely reminds me of John Brown's story where he's trying to start the uprising and, you know, free all the slaves. But no one knows what the fuck he's doing because there's mm-hmm. no messaging. And then the he first wants everybody pers- to join in. Yeah, and the first person he kills is a freed black guy. So everybody's like, "What the fuck is this all about?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it, that's what it reminds me of because Charlie's just like, "Oh, they'll connect the dots like I have. They've all listened to the White Album. They they know Helter, what Helter Skelter is like. I do crazy fucking, you know, LSD motherfucking Charlie's gonna, you know, all of our brains work the same." Of course. Yeah. Fucking moron. Helter Skelter, Hitler Skittler, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, <laughs> don't fall in line. There's two Ks in Helter Skelter. So the third K, well, no, that is. Yeah, you just gotta add a K, man. You gotta throw in a K and then KKK and that's the whites and then the blacks join in and murder and then it's a race war and everybody's free and I go live in a hole in the desert for a thousand years and come out and rule the world. And there's 14-year-old girls like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me right now. I would fuck this dude. I would (laughs) would, for sure fuck this dude. Yeah. With my parents' consent. And Van. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the investigation into the murder of Sharon Tate and her guests began the following morning when the bodies were discovered. William Gerritsen, who had been living in the guest house, was the prime suspect and was arrested right away. It's like, I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything. Okay, straight to jail, stupid bitch. <laughs> Take him away, boys. <laughs> yeah. This man obviously did it. As the police led him out of the residence, they pressed the gate button and smudged the only fingerprint from Tex that Charlie had missed. And it's in blood. Like, you can see this bloody fingerprint. And like, I don't see any way else to get this obvious murderer out of here. Let's just go and mash that with my fucking palm real quick. One of the cops gets down there, he's like, Oh, this thing's dirty. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> Uses like a cloth to buff it out real quick before he actually touches it. Reaches inside his detective trench coat and pulls out a container of Lysol wipes. Just kind of greases it off real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually touches it with a 
the Lysol wipe and smears it around as he's pushing the button. Right. Just in case. <laughs> Uses some little hand sanny yeah, after yeah. he touches it. Just like, oh, you know. COVID is a thing, guys. <laughs> I mean, since we're being anachronistic, we might as right. well go all out. Right. And then uh, he beams up to his personal spacecraft in the sky. <laughs> Fucks his personal man servant. <laughs> And anal probes William Garrison. Okay. <laughs> this is how okay. we find out the crime, okay. fellas. <laughs> what if that was the case? All those anal probes were space detectives. And they're trying to solve all these unsolved murders by anally probing people. Did I just come up with a TV series? I don't know, but here on Earth, you call me Detective Main Host. Because <laughs> butts and... Yeah. Probing. Anyway. Probing, yes. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> My penis. <laughs> My penis. I feel like anytime we're floundering, like we're just flopping around where that fish out of water is struggling to survive, like, please give me some water. I'm dying. My penis. <gasps> I just <sighs> breath of fresh Nailed air. It. <laughs> yeah, Nailed back. It. We're back. Yes. Never lost it. Well, that afternoon, Charlie woke up, turned on the TV. The tape murders are all over it. But for some reason, the fact that the victims were white and the word pig was written on the door didn't automatically make everyone say, holy shit, this was the Black Panthers. He then realized that the police hadn't connected the Tate and Hinneman murders, so he was going to have to go out and do it again. Oh, no. That night, Charlie, Tex, Linda, Susan, Patty, Leslie Van Houten, and Borderline Mentally... Oh, I almost said it. Borderline mentally handicapped Steve Clem Grogan hopped into a sedan and headed for L.A. And on this trip, Leslie and Steve, they, they hadn't been there the night before, so this was their first time going out. But this time, everyone kind of knew what was what the deal was. They were going to go kill somebody, as opposed to the night before. It was like, well, just follow Tex around. This time, Steve and Leslie, when they joined in, they knew what was happening. And also... There had to be some lap sitting in that car. This is like eight people in a sedan. Like somebody had to be sitting. Yeah, I bet you Charlie was sitting in the middle in somebody's lap. Like, wee, this is the highest I've ever been. Look, staring over the dashboard. He can finally see the road as they're driving. <laughs> well, they were all high on the marijuanas. And once again, Tex and Susan had smoked some meth before heading out. Linda, who had the valid driver's license, she drove while Charlie barked directions to her and called her stupid if she missed one of his random wild-ass meth LSD-infused turns. Here, man. Hey, here, turn. Turn, turn, here, man. And just fucking called her stupid, slap her in the face. You know, cool guy stuff. That's what cool guys do. Well, eventually they wound up in the neighborhood of Los Feliz, which Greg means the happy, and it was a quiet, upscale neighborhood. It was time for round two. Of Helter Skelter. And that feels like, Gregory, a, a good place to take a break. We'll come back, do round two, wrap this thing up. Uh, we'll try and get you guys through this. Just It's just, there's some horribleness. And I feel like we've done good getting to this point. Just keeping it light, keeping it airy. While people are stabbed to death by methed out fucking hippies. But uh, we're going to try and keep that trend going. Wrap up the story. Make you feel good. 
with my mouth. And we'll be back after this. But you mentioned wrapping it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want a baby. I promise <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> And we are back from break. Had a good time. Wolfed down a, a can of cold spaghettios. My wife left at the top of the stairs. Someday, someday she's gonna let me. She's gonna let me down there. I'm gonna see all the weird shit she's doing. But uh, until then, cold spaghettios. Greg, how was your break? In comparison, yes, fantastic. <laughs> Fan fucking test. <laughs> My uncle called me. Oh. Uh, he said his 12-step program told him that he's supposed to apologize for everything. Mm. Yep. He yep. reaffirmed to me he would not, and my break was still better than yours. Uh, <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not apologizing, and it fucking happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to do this. I ain't fucking doing it, boy. <laughs> I hope you live with it forever. <laughs> and my break was still better than yours. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's, let's just help me drink away my problems by going and having a second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. All right. Three, two, one. Are you out of seltzers? Yeah. I, <laughs> I drank them all last week, man. I'm sorry. I wish I was. I forgot to replenish them. <laughs> I tried drinking all of those tea seltzers in one night. I think it was two nights ago. And then mm. I realized it's been a long time since I drank that much artificial sweetener. So I did not have a fun rest of my night. And then I was wide-ass awake at two in the morning because all the caffeine from the tea. Yeah, so I wholeheartedly do not endorse that particular product, so I'm having something different tonight. It's <laughs> a good idea. But just in case you were worried, I do have a whiskey and soda backing that up, ready to go. Just in case someone was like, these guys have been too straight-laced throughout this story about murder and violence. You know, they've just been, you know, it's just been too serious. I need something to light He hits the, the opium pipe. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, big old long opium pipe well here. They can't see it, but I shoot the heroin between my toes. That way my parole officer can't see the marks. Smart. Smart. Well, back to the story. I guess. The first house the family approached was a home on Waverly Drive, which had been owned by Harold True, one of Charlie's old buddies he had met at the party house known as the Spiral Staircase. That house was empty, and so he went next door to the house owned by Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Charlie thought that Helter Skelter could be set off by killing wealthy people. The people of Los Feliz weren't rich, but they sure seemed that way to a dude who lived on an abandoned TV ranch and ate from dumpsters. These guys have indoor fucking plumbing? Are you kidding me? Alright, play for all these four seasons, Wolf Dick. Let's get this shit going. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, actually, some people theorize that Charlie wanted to kill Harold and his roommates because they had refused to let him crash at their place in 1968. But there is not a lot of evidence to support that. It's just kind of like anytime you fucked over Charlie, they're like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to try and kill you. <laughs> you know, he did this because of you. Yeah. Make them feel bad. You know, just kind of feel shitty about themselves. Like every time they started getting like real high and mighty, it's like, hey, calm down. Calm down. I don't care how good you're, you you made that fucking souffle. You know, Charlie Manson killed a bunch of people because of you, right? God damn it. Every fucking time. Every fucking time, Martha. God damn you. Like Eric Klebold, he sent that Valentine's Day treat to the girl in third grade, and she was like, oh, well, sorry. I've got a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. His name's Chad Chaddington. Oh, no. And then him and his buddy went on to kill people at Columbine. <laughs> you know, she might feel like that's her fault. Yeah. It probably is. <laughs> you know? so, years, years later, she's sitting in a therapist. like, I just, you know, I know I moved in fourth grade, like six states over, but I still feel like part of that's my fault. And the therapist like, yeah, probably fucking was. You were the worst <laughs> goddamn therapist. Oh, that was you. <laughs> oh. That was you. Yes, that was your fault. I've always wondered. Because of you, I had to carry a clear backpack to school for a fucking year, you bitch. You ruined my whole high school experience. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's over the line, Chris. <laughs> Charlie and Tex entered the LaBianca residence through an unlocked back door and found Lino sleeping on the couch. Charlie woke Lino up and ordered him to roll over onto his stomach so he could tie his hands. Tex then got Rosemary out of the bedroom and forced her to sit on the couch next to her bound husband. They stole Rosemary's wallet, and then Charlie told Pat and Leslie to come inside. He had them escort Rosemary back to the bedroom, and then told Tex, make sure everybody does something. Charlie then went outside and got into the car with Clem, Linda, and Susan, and they drove away. Yeah, he's always this guy who's like, you know, oh yeah, you guys, you guys take care of it. I'm gonna hop in the car and go over to, you know, IHOP, get Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity, man. I always feel so silly ordering that thing. And then, you know, the waitress <laughs> makes fun of me. <laughs> and like, my friends are, oh yeah. <laughs> my friends would be here if they could, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I like the smiley face on the pancake they do. <laughs> Can you imagine the? Can you? I know that's a stupid image, but he's like cutting up the pancake all happy and shit. And meanwhile, like five blocks away, somebody's just like stabbing the shit out of somebody. He's like, having a good time. <laughs> uh, you know, he shot, uh, he shot lots of papa to be he fair. He did shoot lots of papa. That was his big accomplishment. He, yeah, uh, drug dealer. Yeah, he, he took a lot of credit for killing lots of papa. But who did, did not die? Did not die. <laughs> and actually, he would see him. When they, when he was in prison waiting trial, and he was under heavy guard, Charlie was. Spoiler alert, Charlie gets arrested. I'm sorry, did I just ruin the whole no! fucking show? No! <laughs> no! <laughs> but he would see lots of Papa in the jail, and Charlie's like, oh my bad, uh, you know, I kind of had to, right? And lots of Papa's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, bitch ass, little five foot four nothing. I can't believe you spoiled the story. Number one, <laughs> that... He gets arrested. Mm -hmm. But mainly, that Helter Skelter does not take hold. And in fact, there was not a race war that resulted in an apocalyptic wasteland. 
I never said that Thanks, didn't happen. Thanks, Chris. Never said that didn't happen. I just said well, Charlie went to jail. I'm just saying. Strong, strongly alluded to it. I, you know what? Our listeners weren't alive in the 90s. They don't know what the fuck happened. Maybe it did. Well, that's true. Maybe there was a race war. That <laughs> still exists in two. Ah, we solved racism. 1863, Emancipation Proclamation. Ended all racism. That's where it, right, it wiped it out in America. Ciao. It's over. So... You're welcome. So, Charlie was just barking up the wrong tree, I guess. I, Greg, main host, do not see history that way. (laughs) Well, inside the house, Tex stabbed Lino to death. Pat stood in the bedroom door and begged God to make it all stop. But, uh, when he didn't do anything, she went ahead and stabbed Rosemary to death. (laughs) God, please don't make me stab this person. Oh, crickets. All right, here well, we go. <laughs> Stabbing well, time. <laughs> Do you think it was any comfort to that poor lady as she's getting stabbed? Like, Patty's like, God didn't stop me. Here we are. He wanted this to happen. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Just making sure I'm. <laughs> uh, no. Well, Tex carved the word war on Lino's stomach with his knife. The girls wrote rise and death to pigs on the walls. Patty wrote helter skelter on the fridge, but uh, since she was a goddamn idiot, she spelled it helter skelter. God damn it. Threw a random A in there. Like, I can understand putting an extra L in there, like helter skelter. Mm-hmm. But how stupid do you have to be like, yeah, there's probably an A. And, uh, or like a bunch of R's on the end of Skelter. Like, <laughs> like a pirate. Or like <laughs> Cardi B. Like, <laughs> I don't know what she does. My wife, I, I hear her watching Cardi B videos with her boyfriend. I, I don't really know. Either way, I feel like that's a pretty easy thing to spell. Like, my daughter... Uh, she got in trouble for using too much technology. She had to write me an apology. She actually wrote it on the computer, which is kind of a violation of using too much technology time, but whatever. And she misspelled everything, but you can you can look. Oh, I can see how her brain's working there. She's eight. I don't think yeah, she's ever... words. You can fucking spell things out. Phonetic yeah. spelling. Not once does she go, I bet you there's an A in there. It's a silent A in Helter Skelter. Right? It's a silent A, you fucking... Unless, unless Patty was trying to heal the wounds of society. She didn't want the race war to happen. Helter no. Skelter, it was a canary. Well, she was she was hoping if she wrote that, God would show up and heal all the people she stabbed, because he didn't stop her from stabbing them. She's like, if I healed her Skelter, then Jesus would show up and go, okay, never mind, never happened, everybody just walk away, shake hands, walk away. But instead, you know, just a typo. Just old good old blood fridge typo. We all been there, right? Good old blood fridge. <laughs> well, they then helped themselves to some chocolate pudding and watermelon from that exact refrigerator. <laughs> just take some time, man. Meanwhile, Charlie was driving around looking for another victim. First, he stopped at a gas station in a black neighborhood and had Linda drop Rosemary LeBianca's wallet into the women's room toilet. He was just sure that a black woman would find it and would use it and get caught. 
And that would help usher in Helter Skelter. You know, because she stole it. Yeah, she did it. She killed that couple over in Los Feliz. He then took them to a Venice apartment complex where Susan had previously met an actor named Saladin Nadir. Charlie ordered Susan, Clem, and Linda to knock on Saladin's door and kill him as soon as he opened it. But uh, it turns out Susan wanted no part in this, so once Charlie had driven away, she knocked on a random door and then told Clem and Linda she didn't actually know which apartment it was. <laughs> she was lying, as oh, usual. Yeah. Yeah. Right, fellas? <laughs> they found their way back to the ranch, and fortunately, no one else would be killed that night. The investigations were a complete and total mess. The Hinman, Tate, and LaBianca murders were all investigated by different groups of detectives, and they did very little in the way of communicating, and at first had no idea that the murders were even related. Charlie read the papers and watched TV, and his tiny dumb mind was blown that a race war had not started. What he didn't realize was that L.A. was heavily segregated at the time, and if a group of armed black men had been driving around those neighborhoods, some racists would have immediately called the police. Yeah, it's basically like East Berlin, West Berlin at the same time. They have guard towers, and like you're watching, and like, but their guard, they're, they have those binoculars, kind of like Star Wars, where you can give you like a little readings as they approach, and it gives them melanin readings the closer they get. Like, <laughs> and, you know, as soon as you cross over, like. I don't know. The threshold, yeah. (laughs) That Charlton Heston tan. Once you get past that, you're like, stop him! Stop him! He can't come here! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) One of the main accomplices, Linda Kasavian, ran away back to her estranged husband, leaving her daughter with the family in the process. A few days later, the police raided the Spawn Ranch and arrested all 26 members of the family for... Auto theft. Yeah, they had found all about all those dune buggies and cars they've been stealing to go live in their hole in the desert where they turn into fairies and wait for the end of the world so they come back and rule it. So, that's why they went there. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie was actually relieved when he found out what the charges were. But turns out the police had fucked up the warrant. Everyone was released two days later. Yeah, and when the ranch was raided, the county took custody of all of the kids. Linda, who had abandoned her child, was able to contact them and get her daughter back. But of course, she didn't mention anything about the murders. Yeah, this kind of reminded me of the Jim Jones story again, where we talked about uh, people just straight up leaving Guyana and leaving their kids down there to escape. And like, yeah, we'll, we'll sue somebody to get our kids back later. You know, and unfortunately, that didn't work out for them, but it did work out for Linda, luckily, in this case. On September 1st, a 10-year-old boy found a 22 LR caliber revolver with seven spent casings and two live rounds in the cylinder in his backyard. He picked it up carefully so he didn't smudge any fingerprints and took it to his dad, who called the police. Dude, this is the break in the fucking case. <laughs> right? It's done. Yeah, we got him. We fucking got him. Well, the police, they were uh, super disinterested in the find and tossed it in their uh, property section. You know, I, we just had a bunch of people shot with a twenty two LR. It's not a super common round. It was in this area, but it probably wasn't this gun. 
Stupid kid. Shut your mouth. Not maybe the most common round ever in this country <laughs> yeah. at this time. I, I do. I do like that the kid was, he watched a lot of Dragnet on TV, so he's like picking it up by the barrel, like a pinky thumb combo, like carrying it to his father. He's like, don't touch, don't touch the trigger or the, or the handle, dad. You might smudge the fingerprints. And we just talked about these cops are like actively like wiping down a crime scene as they fucking leave. Because like, ah, we got our fellow. We got him. Says something about policing and America, Greg. It's topical. Tying it back in. See how I did that? You know, like he did, he preservation of evidence. Yeah. Um, picking up the barrel with the pinky and thumb. So, I mean, that's just kind of my routine day to day. I mean, I would love to add the, the middle finger to that equation, but it's just, yeah. you know, it's it's not big enough for that. <laughs> the barrel is not long enough. <laughs> So I, oh. I constantly have to grab my dick like it's evidence, you know? <laughs> holding it up in the air. Anyone? Anyone? Walking to the police station, just holding that thing up. I'm sorry, officer. I need to show someone this. It's very important. What does it mean from the base of my torso? Oh. I, can, I can only pick it up like it's evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really manhandle the thing. <laughs> Well, Charlie and the family fled to Death Valley and hid out in the desert. They soon ran out of food, and this is when people began to defect. Tex Watson ran back to Texas. <laughs> How apropos. Where did he get that name? That's weird. Right, I know, right, right. But his parents annoyed the shit out of him, so he did the only logical thing you do. Mm-hmm. You, you, you flee California. Uh-huh. Like, fuck this, man. I'm going back to Texas. Yeah. Parents are like, do the dishes. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> Mexico. Mexico. He fled to fucking Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So the family, you know, as Manson and his group had come to be known, found some construction equipment and began to steal parts from it. But once again, they're fucking idiots and they were easily identified. <sighs> and of course, the county sheriffs ran another raid because of that. Yeah. They found a slam dunk champion, five foot four Charlie, <laughs> hiding in a cabinet under a bathroom sink. He was booked in as Manson, Charles M, aka Jesus Christ, God. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? I'm God. It's your last name. Jesus Christ. It's your real name. Charles. Real last name? Manson. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I don't know about you, but my God can definitely fit under a sink in a bathroom cabinet. That's what I'm thinking about God every time. And just like peeking out. Don't catch me, daddy. And the cop's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, I'm so sorry. He just kind of crawls out meekly. Are you God? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. We're looking for God here. <laughs> Get out of here, you. Scram, you rascal. <laughs> yes, sir. He's fucking... 
the same cop pulls open the, the drawer next to the cabinet, and there's a hairdryer in there. Are you God? No answer. Oh, f- <laughs> oh thanks, God. <laughs> <laughs> when one of the newer members, Katie Lutzinger, was questioned about the stolen construction equipment, she out of fucking nowhere told the police that Susan Atkins had helped kill Gary Hinman. Like, she's yeah. just that disgruntled that she's like, Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that equipment. Uh, hey, this bitch fucking killed someone. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the first family member that has any sense because she, she hated being a part of that family. Like, she kind of got talked to it. She shows up and like, this kind of sucks ass. We're living in the desert. But and she stealing. was new. She didn't have time to really get she, indoctrinated. Yeah. As soon as they hook her up, she's like, oh, I will roll immediately. That bitch over there, you want to know what she did? That bitch has been stealing cable for years. That bitch killed somebody. Killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, the police rushed to question her. Susan figured Bobby Beausoleil had snitched on her, so she told them the whole story about the murder of Hinman, but basically said she was just there and Bobby had done the whole thing. Susan, like the genius she was, then went back to jail and told her cellmates all about the Tate and LaBianca murders. They promptly ratted her out. Yeah, why would a criminal give up another criminal? It's not like they have anything to gain. You know, <laughs> okay, most famous murderer in America right now. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just... <laughs> <laughs> you see all these dummies do this to each other. Chris, when you and I start a cult and we start the... Uh, the purge we're talking about. We're not telling the listeners about the purge yet, but the purge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. gonna be this dumb. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. God. I already know you're gonna kill me first, so I don't care. I don't care what happens after. I know what's happening here. <laughs> it's all it's all gonna be pinned on you though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all began to unravel for Charlie and the family right after that. Straight Satan's gang member, Donkey. Dan DiCarlo was arrested and told the police about how Charlie had bragged about the killings and his plans for Helter Skelter. Susan agreed to testify before the grand jury to implicate Charlie by saying he ordered the killings. What if you guys remember back, there was that whole uh, gun that was thrown away, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the guy whose son found the gun called the police to say, Hey, uh, I think that might be related to those murders. Rosemary LaBianca's wallet was found in the toilet and turned in when it was finally cleaned in fucking December. That's four four months, months later. Four months later. How bad does it have to be? Four fucking months later, they finally cleaned their bathrooms. Like, gas station bathrooms are bad, but I can't imagine you go in there and they have that sheet. It was last cleaned by Steve, 2003, you know, right before the market crash or whatever. I hate all of you. I'm going to kill myself. That's the last thing I'll note on there. And you're like... You know, this bathroom might not be the best place to be in here shooting up heroin. I'm just saying. We need to find a cleaner cleaner bathroom. But that was the thing. It said, last cleaned by uh, Lino LaBianca. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. So, you know, it had been a little while. The irony that her wallet went up there. <laughs> That's why I had been cleaning so long. <laughs> yeah. Is this guy ever going to fucking show up for work? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I tried calling his wife. She didn't answer. That fucking bitch. Always covering for him. 
Well, simultaneously, Susan Atkins withdrew her testimony, but it didn't matter because they had evidence to support the story that she had already told. She, Big, Harry, Patty Krenwinkle, Leslie Van Houten, and Charlie were the first to be charged with murder. Tex was also charged because he had found his way back to Texas again from Mexico, but they were dragging their feet about extraditing him. Yeah, and you think Texas is like, let's fucking fry out that state. Uh, and we're very proud of that, by the way, uh, here on 100 Proof History. But, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but his cousin was the sheriff in the county where he was finally arrested in Texas. And he's like, yeah, I don't think he actually did the things you're saying, fellas, out there in California. So we'll send him there and we damn well feel like it. Well, and wouldn't you know it, the trial was a goddamn circus. Charlie showed up on the first day with an X carved in his forehead and said, You've created the monster. I'm not of you. From you. I have X myself from your world. The next day, the girls showed up with X's on their foreheads as well. Charlie tried to defend himself, but the judge said he was too stupid to do that. Eventually, Charlie was given a lawyer named Irving Kanarek, whose main strategy was to ask long, drawn-out questions and object to literally everything. Yeah, it turns out his style of uh, pros- or defending his clients was so tedious that at one point the jurors asked the judge if they could have some no-dose caffeine pills delivered. Because he was just... Objection! That Objection. boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlie met with the girls in the defense attorney's room each morning before trial, and that's where he'd give the orders for the day. So during the trial, Charlie might say something which would prompt the girls to chant, or he'd have a planned outburst and call people liars and the girls would join in. At one point, Charlie jumped up and attempted to stab the judge to death with a pencil. This is what we call endearing yourself with the jury, right? You want them to love you, so, like, you just start questioning everything, causing a ruckus, you know, causing problems inside the courtroom that bailiffs have to be called in there and drag your ass out, and then trying to murder somebody in your murder trial. That that really gets the jury on your side. That's very smart. Charlie is a very intelligent human. I'm thinking he's probably trying to start helter-skelter this whole time. <laughs> the whole like, time. Oh, There's got to be something we can do here. Or, or, and hear me out. Mm -hmm. He's an insane man. Yes, I agree with that. Because I can't imagine. I I know that's controversial. (laughs) I can't imagine the first scenario where the jury, a mixed race jury, just starts fist fighting each other because he tried to stab (laughs) the judge. Don't mean them. (laughs) You know, it's it's televised on court TV. (laughs) ABC, <laughs> yes, CBS, yeah, 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 all that. Yeah. You know, it's a That's televised. True, yeah. yeah. Like they I are. S- I still remember the day I was watching TV and I was watching the NBA Finals and they broke in to show Charlie racing down the 401 in his white Ford Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> Police right behind him. I'm like, man, I really want to see if the Bulls pull this out, but I don't know. I'll see what Charlie does. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> to anybody unsure that that did not happen. No, that's yeah, that's a way later reference. It's a but, uh, OJ reference in the nineties. Oh, yes, yeah. I don't know. I feel like sometimes you have to clear those things up. 
You do. You do. It's been 28 years since that happened. So yeah, you gotta <laughs> fucking clear it up for somebody. Well, in January of 1971, all four were found guilty. They were later sentenced to death. But their sentences would be commuted to life in prison in 1972 when California abolished their death penalty. Pussies. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't say So it's no. like, you get sentenced to death, and then less than a year later, it's like, yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank Charlie. Thank Charlie. <laughs> Tex Watson would be tried later and would receive the same exact sentence. In the following months, six family members attempted to steal 140 guns and a plan to hijack a plane and demand the release of those that had been convicted. They were caught and arrested. Like the idiots they were, because they're all fucking morons. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. Agreed. From his jail cell, Charlie began to preach about environmentalism, and so in 1975, Lynn Squeaky Fromm attempted to assassinate President Gerald Ford because she believed he was hurting the environment. She, too, was given a life sentence. Good old Charlie bounced around from prison to prison. At one point, he was placed in gin pop, and another prisoner who was serving a life sentence for murder doused Charlie in paint thinner and set him on fire, causing Charlie to suffer second and third degree burns. Poor boy. Ah, I feel so bad for him. Mm. In the 1980s, as he was prepping for a TV interview, Charlie converted the X on his forehead into a swastika. He would never claim credit for the murders, and he would always say that everyone had acted on their own. Charles Manson died in prison on November 19th, 2017, at the age of 83. He died of colon cancer, and I think we speak for every decent human when we say, we hope he suffered horribly. End of story. Woo! We did it. Three-something hours later, man, we fucking nailed it. We told that whole story. We fucking built this city on rock and roll. And we told you how it was built. Gregory, it is time once more for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. At the house on Cielo Drive, Sharon Tate had been stabbed 16 times. Jay Sebring was shot once and stabbed 7 times. Abigail Folger was stabbed 28 times. And Wojtek Fakowski, who had fought back, was shot twice, hit over the head with a blunt object 13 times, and stabbed 51 times. Fast Fact Number 2 Following the murders, panic swept through L.A. In the two days after Sharon Tate's murder, over 200 handguns were sold at one store alone, and guard dogs were sold for prices upward of $1,500. They are all chihuahuas. Fast fact number three. In order to raise money for the defense, Phil Kaufman released an album of Charlie's songs. It was called Lie. No one wanted to stock it, and so Coffin was stuck with 2,000 copies. Later, Wojtek Frakowski's son won a lawsuit in which he would gain any money from the sale of the album. Fast Fact Number 4 
Charlie's lawyers attempted to call the Beatles to the stand to testify on Charlie's behalf, but they ignored the request. When interviewed later, John Lennon said that Charlie was crazy. He said the lyrics to Helter Skelter meant nothing, and as far as he was concerned, the song was just noise. All right, we have done it. We have told the story of Charles Manson. Like I said, we tried to keep it light this episode. Try to try to joke through the pain because this is a very a tough thing to get through, and I think we did it pretty well. If you disagree, you can hit us up, 100proofhistory.com, at 100proofhistory on all your social medias. Uh, guys, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast apps, give us ratings and reviews, maybe think about hitting up that Patreon and giving us a few bucks a month so we can keep producing quality content. You guys might not realize this, we read a book, we watch documentaries every week, to produce this ridiculous farce of a podcast, we actually put a lot of work into this, so uh, we do appreciate any support you can give us. Gregory, what else? I'm actually going to implore you to do the opposite of what Chris said. Don't oh, no. give us any fucking money. <laughs> never support subscribe us. from us. <laughs> I mean, don't give us bad ratings, but those other things, yes, don't do them. <laughs> I hate you. You're scum. What I want you to do is hover your finger over the unsubscribe button. And if God tells you, hit the unsubscribe button, do it. But otherwise, you're in for the long haul, baby. It's like Pat Krenwinkel. It's like, you can't do anything about it. God told me to stab you to death. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah, guys, thanks for listening. And we will see you for the next installation, which uh, it's it's actually going to be... Charles Manson Part Four. <laughs> it's uh, the aftermath. No, I'm just kidding. It Charles Manson and we're done. That's where <laughs> we're going. <laughs> we're done with that. Yeah. No, we're, we're going back. We're done with that. Oh, that's a hey. hint. Mm. Hey, hey. <laughs> we're going back to history, fellas. We got away from the true crime. We're going straight history because it just feels better. And straight history because our wives are getting on to us about. <laughs> certain things so it's it's gonna be straight history yeah i just i have a week to delete some certain apps from my phone they will find out we'll be back next week for straight history starring chris and greg yes all right i love you goodbye sorry i lashed out at you it's okay no No! nerds they watch football in their goddamn lives. And if they did, it's only because their dad made them. Yep. Sat them down and said, hey, boy, I want you to be like this. More like me. Take off that goddamn dress and watch football, for Christ's sake. <laughs> did I make a noise moving my phone? You know you did. I didn't know. You know did. you did. I only know I did because you're making faces at me. No, you looked up like, daddy? You were wondering. <laughs> Did you catch me with my Nintendo again? Did I disappoint? <laughs> <laughs>